Although edited for television, tonight's thriller contains scenes of suspense and violence which may be unsuitable for young viewers. Friendly discretion is advised. Stick with the Japanese animation. We're here for you, the Otaku Host Club. <laughs> My name is Amelia, and I'm a video girl at large. And I'm joined here with Jeff and Dan. Hello. Hello. I am video man. Video boy. At small. Oh, no, I think uh. you are large. You would be large size. The I only, the yeah, I'm video man that needs your widescreen TV. Oh. <laughs> IMAX? Are we talking like, you know, what format are we talking here? Uh, with my new skincare routine, I think I'll go with the IMAX. Oh, shit. Yeah. HD. Surround sound. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I've been building up. <laughs> and since this is a special Valentine's episode, we have some special friends on with us. The Strictly Series... Yay. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Hi everyone. So you have been in in the podcast sphere in the uh, the outskirts of our little bubble of a friend cluster of podcasters <laughs> and now you have been invited into the inner circle. We feel so <laughs> official. It's great. <laughs> we will send out the uh, the official cards, placards that we have for y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for the secret handshake. Mm-hmm. 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 Spit on your hand. <laughs> Shake. So I'm sure. Covid friendly. I'm sure the people know, but um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and maybe a little bit about your podcasts? Because you have multiple. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're one of the weirdos who took on multiple projects at the same time. Um, but I'm Courtney. And I'm Carl. And we host two podcasts, Strictly Anime and Strictly Joja, which are part of the Strictly series of podcasts. That's what we kind of call our, our like podcast network, I guess you could call it. Um, and yeah, Strictly Anime is all about anime reviews and discussions. And Strictly Jojo, if you couldn't tell by the title, is dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure because it's our favorite anime. And that's where mm-hmm. you met the boys? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we jumped on that Jojo's episode with anime brothers and that's how we met you guys full circle yeah and it was a good time that was a really good discussion mm-hmm. i've seen yeah, a little so- bit of jojo's so i mean like i feel like i <laughs> just no, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about carl's rap career Oh I my didn't know God. that you were a rapper. Such a good rapper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about? I, the, uh... I heard you spitting those bars in your last Attack on Titan episode, and I yeah. was like, "My God!" In the presence of musical royalty, now I know. I kind of wow. Like I feel like I need to get your autograph later. <laughs> oh, thank you. That actually took me like I feel like two hours just to come up with, and that's why I only did two stanzas or whatever. Like my brain can't. Put the rest of this story 
into rap form and you didn't warn me either i was just sitting across the table looking at him like oh my god what the hell is happening right now this is amazing that's cool thank you i did do like a i think back in my high school u.s history class for extra credit um our teacher asked like if anyone wanted to put something together to, mm. to explain one of our units and i ended up doing a rap i think about uh Woodrow Wilson. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! That's like where I just found like, oh, I I can kind of put things together in rap form. But yeah, this was the only other time that I put that to use. <laughs> so well, it was well well put to use. <laughs> thank you, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, feel like the high school rap is a, a often overlooked, but uh, kind of important part of the high school experience. I feel like everybody gets called upon to do some kind of, yeah, really ridiculous and uh, corny and difficult to do well educational rap at some point in the U.S. school system. Hmm. <laughs> An unofficial part of the curriculum. Yeah. Because hmm. I, I, I feel like I don't have a clear memory of this, but I feel like I had to do that in high school as well at a certain point. I Make don't know a if anybody else did. Yeah. Really? Hmm. They want you to Damn. like, yeah, because it's supposed to be like engaging with the students and meeting them where they're at and like, oh, you know, they're like, it's fun. But, and I, I understand, and, you know, if you're a teacher, you do the best you can, you know, and this seems like a totally reasonable type thing to do, you know, even if it's like kind of dumb and nobody actually likes it. But Do you remember what your rap was about? No. I, but I, I think it was also a social studies thing. It's like we could have written the next Hamilton or something if we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we just went further with that. You must be out of your goddamn mind. Yeah, I, I listened to your guys' episode on Foodie Cootie as well. Oh, did uh, you? Oh, man, yeah. that that was yeah. a struggle because we had just um, tried to explain episode 79 of Attack on Titan, and then like three days later, we went into trying to explain Footy Cootie, and yeah, we needed a, a mental break after that. Yeah, and, and this was your first time watching Footy Cootie, Carl, right? Yeah, it was my first time in it. Because it's, it's dense, you know, I, I feel like it took me <laughs> a couple of times through to really like piece together the entire plot because the storytelling is so in, insanely dense. And it's so like it's mainly told through metaphor. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very metaphorical and it's very dense, but also it's it's told through a lot of it's like told very sarcastically, you know, like important plot points or backstory get given to you in in, in they're presented as if they're red herrings. You know, and I'm I'm thinking specifically episode two when um oh what what's her name? Haruhara Haruko is dressed up like a nurse and is like, I'm a galaxy space police commander. And, and everybody treats her like she says it kind of sarcastic jokingly and everybody treats her as if she's just joking around and that that's a lie or, or it's not true, but actually it is true. And it's a really important plot point. So it's like <laughs> lots of misdirection in, in how the story is told. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've seen it 
like a handful of times and I, I still feel like I can't fully explain nor will I ever be able to fully explain what is going on in that show and I warned Carl numerous times going into it I'm like just just trust me it is a wild ride it's extremely enjoyable but you are not going to understand that and you just have to accept the fact that you're not going to understand it in order to enjoy it I think because if you try too hard to wrap your head around what is going on in FLCL the first and even second time you watch it it could be a potential turnoff. yeah mm-hmm like akira watching akira for the first time you're like what did i just watch yeah exactly <laughs> and why yeah but i you know i i, I don't want to sell furikuri short though because I, I i agree uh courtney that it does have the reputation as being oh it's this spastic you know crazy adhd show and there's always something wacky going on and it's so fast-paced and and i recognize that this is true <clears throat> but also, I, I think it's it's got such a tightly woven, like I said, just a very dense story. There's so much that happens in so little time, and that that I think is what elevates this from being just this like um, wacky cerebral experience <clears throat> into being kind of what to me like I think of Furikuri as being practically high art, you know, for the way that it's able to craft a lot of story and a lot of message so compactly and so tightly while also having so much visual splendor and so much uh yeah kinetic action happening on screen uh and you know they they say that this ova took up the budget of an entire 26 episode television show like a normal mm. aired you know tv tele uh you know meant for tv television show and i i can totally believe it you know like everything about it is so Fine, you know, from the storytelling down to the animation, the soundtrack, everything is so finely crafted and so mm-hmm. tuned. Yes, is is really a, a marvelous piece of work. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I haven't seen Footie Cody. Like the last time I rewatched it was probably like eight years ago. It's been quite a while. And I was so pleasantly surprised at how well it's held up even mm-hmm. to today. Because mm-hmm. we had watched um, one of the first anime that we had reviewed on Strictly Anime was Trigon. And that's mm. a fantastic anime. I love it. But there are parts of it that have not aged well, particularly some of the more like ridiculous humor, the campy, um, the campy stuff. Yeah. Mm. And mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't experience any of that with Footy Cody. I thought that all of it held up very well, especially the animation. I had a deeper appreciation for the animation, knowing that it was made back in the the time period that it was, I think it was like 2001 or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that it, it could honestly like stand up against some, some other anime that are coming out today in terms mm-hmm. of animation. Yeah, for real. Hmm. Yeah, it is kind of timeless. But, I, you know, it's a real shame that they tried to bring back the franchise like they did. Oh, I refuse to watch the (laughs) progression and and progressive. Yeah, I've seen both of them. There's one that tries to mimic the original. I forget which one it is, but the one that does not try to mimic the original that has like a completely different cast of characters. um, That one is tolerable. (laughs) Mm, Okay. (laughs) It's not great, but it is tolerable. I I do not hate it. So it's all alternative was the second one and progressive was the third one. Was that, was that oh, how it was? Uh, you know, I can't even remember. I, remember. I don't remember clearly. I just remember going to um, one of my friend's birthday parties and she also watches anime and loves anime. Her favorite anime was slam dunk. Um, hmm. But um, she was like, I was like, I'm going to, I want to come to your party, but also like they're going to air the new fully coolie 
tonight on Adult Swim. And she was like, no, like we should watch it all together. So like we all went, like Dan came to this party with us. I was going to say, wasn't I there? Yeah, yeah Dan came with <laughs> us. We were, And we we're like, okay, at midnight, we're going to watch this new Fully Cooly. And then like, it was so bad. And I felt yeah. so bad for stopping <laughs> yeah. like, the entire party to watch this new Fully Cooly is the worst. <laughs> yeah, I'm that- curious to know if like maybe because we watch it dubbed because of course back in the day when it aired on Adult Swim you could mm-hmm. really only watch it dubbed mm-hmm. um, so for nostalgia we we went that route I'm curious to know if they brought back any of that original cast to the dub if they even have a dub of the new seasons yes um, uh, well I, I, I'm not sure I think the dub came first with the yeah. new seasons oh interesting okay. yeah because part part of the issue with this is that furikuri is not popular in japan at all mm-hmm. is, is oh. a, it's an obscurity over there and i i say this like uh you know my japanese friends that that i talk anime with uh they they ain't ever heard of furikuri you know interesting and and not that they're like uh super anime dork people they're just like you know regular ass nerdy people that are kind of into anime same way like most kind of nerdy people in america are like kind of into marvel movies and Mm -hmm. track this sort of stuff but yeah furikuri did not take off in japan at all and and part of that uh, is certainly that you know, it wasn't aired on television. It was an OVA straight to DVD release. And it got released one ep- one episode per disc at full DVD price at the time. Whoa. So you were paying like $60 per episode Jeez. as it was oh, coming man. out. And so it just didn't like, not a lot of people paid attention. Not a lot of people wanted to shell out the money for it. And it just didn't really resonate over there. So when they brought back the franchise, um, you know, this was Adult Swim kind of being like, we'll, we'll just pour money into this to your heart's content to make it happen. You know, it came back just for the American audience. That's mm. crazy, especially because living through Footy Cootie on Adult Swim back in 2000, 2003, I think it aired. Like that just took the anime community by yeah. storm. Like yeah. you go to an, a, mm. any convention and you'd find people dressed up as like Haruko or Kanti. Like everyone fucking loved that. Everyone I knew wanted that yellow Vespa. They wanted to ride around <laughs> on that fucking yellow Vespa. And honestly, I kind of wanted one too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. I low level one of Vespa. I've wanted one for that exact reason. The same reason I want like a Corgi for watching oh, yeah. Bebop mm-hmm. at a young oh, age. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, they have a Corgi. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we have a corgi. Ah, so we have a corgi named Rigby, and our other After corgi. Regular show? He, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, actually, regular show. Yeah, yeah. so he's show. our our black headed tricolor corgi. And then we recently um, had our, our older corgi <laughs> pass away, but he was a red and white corgi named after Ayn. And I even got him mm-hmm. a red collar with a gold tag and everything. So he was Aww, always in cosplay. That's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Well, Well, it's kind of like an initiation at this point Um, in our collab history. The first collab that we usually do with people, um, we kind of like kind of subvert their expectations on anime. You know, like with Otaku Melancholy, we had them watch Golden Boy, um, which is another classic OVA series. And then with Mitch, he only really watched Shonen, so we made him watch some uh, Moe Dragon Maids. And uh, we're back at it again with another classic OVA series, Video Girl Eye, even though it's technically not Valentine's Day until like two days from now, but like you're going to be listening to this way after Valentine's Day. Um, But we still wanted to talk about this 90s gem. And uh, yeah, so we're super excited to get into 
whatever your thoughts are. But first, uh, while we rewind our tapes, please enjoy a word from our sponsor. Okay, so I want to ask a bunch of questions because I am so curious. <laughs> so I'm just wondering how two weebs meet. Like, did y'all propose to each other at, in couples cosplay <laughs> at a convention? Because um, that's my dream. But like, I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> the two of us personally? Yeah. 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 So we, um, we met each other in college and... We got to know each other through SpongeBob because we're both big SpongeBob fans. And that kind of grew. And we realized we were both major nerds about a lot of things. Um, no, like, and <laughs> we should explain that. Like, it was a college party. Like, yeah. we yes, it was a college party. Yes, <laughs> we were drunk. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, I knew that Courtney loves SpongeBob. And so we had like a SpongeBob quote off. And we would <laughs> uh, challenge each other to try and guess what episode the quote was from. And I think we almost ended up in a tie. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll call it a tie. <laughs> yeah, things kind of, uh, I guess, snowballed from there. We started dating and then we, yeah, Carl, Carl didn't propose at like an anime convention or anything. Um, he proposed in the Japanese section of um, like a... The Chicago Botanic yeah. Garden. Yeah, oh, so it was oh. kind of weeb-esque. Like it was yeah. the Japanese yeah. area. We, I think we were on a Japanese bridge. Too. Yeah, the one that's like not, what, not uneven. Like the zigzag type of bridge. Because right, of the, what, like... Like the spirits, spirits can't cross it. Yeah, yeah I think that's uh, the... Hmm. The context around that, but yeah, so there there was some sort of you know Japanese influence to the the proposal. Cute, um, but yeah, we've been to a lot of con uh, conventions together. Um, we didn't get married at one, but you know, we can we can pretend we did. <laughs> <laughs> First con. Um, so yeah, like what what's your like your home con? Like the one that because yeah. like we have Otakon, that's our special super special con that we always go to. That was my first convention. I think it was your guys's too, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So for us, it's Anime Central um, here okay. in Chicago, oh. and I'm kind of I'm going to date myself here, but this year, 2022, is actually going to be my 20th year attending Anime Central. Nice. So no, that's yeah, I'm cool. very excited. That's really interesting <clears throat> to me because I didn't even know about anime till like 2006. I was like in college, um, so that's really interesting. But yeah, I found it by cos cosplaying that long. <laughs> I found it by chance because, okay, so let me, let me rewind here. So I, my gateway anime was Inuyasha when it was mm -hmm. on Adult Swim, like a lot of weebs, it was Inuyasha. And so I was on Google just looking up like images of Inuyasha so I could print them and tape them to my binder <laughs> for school. And I happened to see people in cosplay, but I didn't know what it was. I was like, oh, are these like professionals or something? So I started clicking around and then I realized they were just regular people doing this thing called cosplay. And then I clicked around some more and I realized there were anime conventions. So then I Googled anime conventions in Chicago and then I came across Anime Central. So it's all thanks to my obsession mm. with Inuyasha that I discovered mm. cosplaying and conventions in the first place. Nice. So in, in 20 years of going to Anime Central, do you feel like the convention has changed in any meaningful ways? Absolutely. So it's kind of wild to think that back when I was going to ASEN, um, I think there were probably around like 5k people attending and now it's grown to the size of like 30 to 
40,000. So it's, it's very big. It's the biggest one in the the Midwest. And and I think, I mean, there's definitely been a a progression of, of the quality of cosplay because back then people just kind of put together some stuff that at the time looked really impressive, but looking back on it, I'm like, maybe it was a little less impressive (laughs) because now you've got people who are pulling out these extremely professional cosplays Mm -hmm. and props and things. Um, So I think on, on that that side of things it's definitely evolved i would say it's gotten a little more wild than when i first um, was attending granted i was very young but i felt like you know it was a very small niche community and now you've got people who i would never think would even be interested in anime attending anime central and there's a lot more drinking and chilling and things that there wasn't in the past but it's it's always a good time it's always a, good, a great community to be a part of fortunately uh, i think the past two years they've had to Hold it virtually just because of the state of the world and that's yeah. understandable. But I think they are slated to make a comeback this year. So we are yeah. very excited for that. Yeah. I, I, I actually applied to it for my clothing brand. So hopefully I'll get in. Oh. Oh, <laughs> if you do, let us know. I we'd uh, love to meet up. Oh my yes, god. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Con sponsor. Do you want to come, Dan? You're allowed. <laughs> You can help. Yeah, no, I mean, if if <laughs> if you wind up going with Lou Drip, then I'll go too and help okay. you uh, staff the table without a doubt. That'd be great. We actually applied to, um, hopefully, fingers crossed, host a panel Ooh. at ASN, and I've done it uh, in the past. Cool. But this will be like our first as like a podcast, yeah. I guess. Oh, uh, so oh we'll see. Yo, we got a room full of panelists up in here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. Like, we saw that you guys did that as yeah. well. What was the experience like? Were you guys, um, were you guys I nervous? I was so not nervous until we got up on the stage. And then I was like, oh my God, I forgot everything up until this point in my life. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And I, so uh, I think our, our, Pod, our experience as a podcast panel is a little bit different insofar as I do p- public speaking is a major part of my job. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty used to just getting in front of a lot of people and I just start talking. Um, and so I, I tried not to dominate the, our discussion up on stage. Oh, please dominate. Yeah. <laughs> also, I like, yeah. So it was, a, it was a little bit different. I feel like when we record the podcast, it's a little bit more of an even keel discussion. And mm-hmm. that was what we had intended to do when we got up on stage. But then when we were actually up there. I just like, Took over. yeah, I had, yeah. Similar, similar to, to Amelia. I also like, I'm used to, yeah. When you get up and you do the public speaking like that, my whole mind just goes blank and it's a state of Zen and you just start talking and, Till you're done talking, you know, and I, that was what happened with me too. I just got up there mm-hmm. and started talking and yeah, tried to just stop periodically, but yeah. Well, I, if we get approved for ours, we'll need to um, pick your brain about how to public speak in a, a decent <laughs> manner. Cause it is a huge fear of mine. Like I can do podcasting all day long cause mm-hmm. there's no one looking at me other than Carl, mm-hmm. but right. being in front of people, I feel like I, I would just freeze up. Yeah. 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 I was kind of similar. Cause like I do, I like, I do YouTube a lot and I've done it for a very long time. So I thought, Oh, like no problem. It's just like in my room, but with people watching, like no, no big deal. I, and then I got there and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I can do this. 
the people the people watching makes all the that's, difference. That's and, the key. You know, There's it's, no it's, editing. I can't edit all of my my <laughs> mess ups out. Yeah, and it's you know, it, for me, this this trajectory built on itself over the years because I was playing in bands for so many years, right, and still playing in bands and like play shows. So I'm used to you know either singing in bands or playing drums and being in front of an audience anyway, and then having played you know hundreds of shows all over the world. Then I go to my job and. Uh, I'm like, okay, like it's so much easier to get in front of like 30 or 40 of my coworkers and start, you know, making these, uh, these presentations or like do a conference presentation. It's, you know, a lot less, uh, a lot less demanding than playing a gig, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah. yeah, then the, the Otacon panel was just like, oh, you know, this is just like what I do for work anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, the same, same kind of adrenaline rush and Zen feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes, but this is so. This will not be your your first panel ever, though, Courtney. You did a, you did one previously. Yes. Um, so this was way back, though. I think, oh god, how many years? Like six, seven years ago, and it was just for fun with two friends, um, where we did like a dating panel, and we mm. picked like because I know for the application you can you can pick how many people you anticipate to be there and how long. We just did like minimum everything, just because I wanted the experience of. Mm-hmm running a, a panel and being a part of anime central after attending so mm-hmm. so many years um and it was fine it was it was good we had a, a good discussion with the people in the room um but i think because that one was much more laid back i was able to muster through it better than i may be able to kind of representing our our podcast and having a hopefully a bigger room of people but We'll see. I'll, we'll find out if, if it gets approved and then I'll, I'll start to panic if it does. <laughs> yeah. What are you, what are you thinking it's going to be about? So it's um, what we applied for was waifu wars, the tournament arc. And I know this is a, a pretty mm. common topic in the anime community, but we figured for our first one, we wanted something pretty lively and that can have some uh, audience interaction. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping it's going to be bracket style. We'll put up like five or six of the best waifus. Um, we'll plead our case for them and then hopefully have the audience vote. You know, you can do like the vote on your phone type of situation. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff knows about that. Jeff yeah. knows about that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we 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 that was kind of our our um uh special twist at the at the panel was to add live in voting and then I would read the results of who who could recognize what characters in our um most what was it most popular most iconic. anime characters anime most characters, iconic. Yeah. Did it work out well? Like did were people engaged and were there yeah. any like technical difficulties? No, I think, I, I, well, there was an issue with the internet, but I ended up, so instead of connecting to the conventions Wi-Fi, I just connected to my, uh, you know, just use my, my data mm-hmm. and it worked fine after that. But I think people were more engaged because of that element. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, so it was instead of being passive, it was like, okay, well now we can get the people involved in the audience. Mm-hmm. And I think it made it more successful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully ours will go well and fingers crossed we get approved um i, I think we're supposed to be hearing back from um the the ASEN team in the next couple of weeks so yeah we'll, we'll keep you guys posted on that mm-hmm. cool. are you gonna make merchandise 
Oh, <laughs> it's like you're reading our minds right yeah, now. We so made yes, merch. We, that's why we're, yeah. that's why we're asking. <laughs> we we're in the works with that because we have had a few listeners inquire about merch. So we we honestly wow, have no cool. fucking idea cool. what we're doing. <laughs> but we're like, let's try it. A couple people asked. It can't hurt to just, you know, put some things together. So it is in the works. Um, hopefully we'll have more official details about that in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, something again that we're we're very unfamiliar with. So it could just be a, a whole shit store. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we made buttons and stickers mm-hmm. for our panel, and we just handed them out to oh, basically. If you just walked in the door, you wound up with a, a button or a sticker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's a really good idea. I think we just chuck buttons into just the- throw them at the audience. <laughs> like yeah, you get a button, yeah. and you get a button. Yeah, I, personally, I, I like the style. I, I did that. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a, a random memory, but. We had a, uh, a gig only seven inch that we released um, that we were selling. You couldn't get it through mail order. It was only available at, at live shows for like a year or so. And then at, towards the end of the year at our on our Brazil tour at the la- our last show in Sao Paulo, we had like half a box of seven inches left from our gig only record. And yeah, first thing I did when we started, I ran on stage and just started throwing the records right off the stage. <laughs> you know, like, tossed the box into the crowd. Yeah. Pelting people in the face. Just like, here you go. Yeah. I thought it was cool because they, just, so there's a, there's a video of this, this famous um, Japanese punk band, systematic death doing that in the eighties. And, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, Oh dude, I should just run on stage and throw it off the stage. Just like the guy in systematic death. And that, yeah. Live video from the eighties it'd be so cool i don't think anybody else thought it was that cool but i thought it was cool. i still feel like it was cool i believe it's cool it sounds super cool <laughs> thanks so i also want to ask what made you not only decide to podcast but do two podcasts Oh, um, I think I, I believe I recall from one of your guys's episodes that you were born from the pandemic. Yes, we are we, pandemic podcast baby. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the we're podcast kinda, boom. We're kind of the same way. We had thought about doing a podcast probably about six months before the pandemic hit, but just procrastinated the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, oh, well, the pandemic's here. Now we've got a great time to like actually dive into it and mm-hmm. do it. So we consider ourselves born from from the po- uh, from the podcast from the pandemic um but we we decided to make a second podcast because we just we just love jojo's bizarre adventure Mm -hmm. we just wanted to talk about it and we knew we were going to talk about it almost too much on an anime only podcast and we didn't want to kind of monopolize that time so like fuck Mm -hmm. it we'll make a second podcast why not (laughs) sounds easy You just saw your workload increase. Yeah, yeah. It's it's double. <laughs> I know. I'm looking at Carl, and he's like, "All that yeah. editing." <laughs> it's like 24 hours of editing. I know. Like. I know. And usually, it's not too bad because we decided to make strictly JoJo a biweekly podcast because mm. we just go through every single JoJo episode um, each uh, every other week, um, and then strictly anime is a weekly podcast. But however, right, right now, now we've got normal episodes on strictly anime on mondays attack on titan weekly episodes on wednesdays and we're trying to do weekly episodes on strictly jojo for the stone ocean review series because you know we want to stay current with that mm-hmm. so we just like tripled our workload in yeah. like a whole quarter <laughs> <laughs> yeah winter will do winter anime season will do that to you yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's great it's, it's fun talking about all these amazing shows yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by your angle of of by casuals for casuals, which is a good angle. 
But you guys don't strike me as being casual fans. And Courtney, you've been going to anime convention for 20 years. That, to me, is more than, than the casual fan. Yeah, Dan's calling you out, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> you're I know, selling yourself other, short yeah <laughs> i know i'm a fucking wave let's be honest i'm a fucking wave <laughs> but i i that's totally fair and, and we kind of look back on that sometimes and, and we're like have we graduated from casuals to yeah. wave? i mean at some point you hit the 400 club right and then you're not casual anymore yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah whenever whenever I, yeah using the word casual in this context it just always makes me think of like this fucking casuals parry this you fucking casual you know, like, <laughs> rude, rude video game people and like large um yeah like sorted online style things like parry this you fucking casual <laughs> <laughs> although carl do you still because you i think we're less um how do i put this like less in tune with anime in the industry before we started the podcast you you were definitely right. more on the casual side of things do you yeah. still consider yourself a casual um I mean, I feel like I watched a lot of anime throughout the, or like since we've started the podcast, so maybe I've leveled up a little bit, <laughs> but I guess it's more so we kind of just take a casual approach with our discussions. Um, that way, you know, we, we'd not only like cater to like the, the weeb audience, but like people who might still like have an interest in anime and they can listen mm-hmm. to our discussions mm-hmm. and you know, be at ease, like not knowing like the breadth of anime out there. And I like right. to try to connect um, like some of our discussions to things outside of the anime <laughs> industry, mm. just to mm-hmm. kind of put it mm-hmm. to a broader perspective. So, um, but yeah, maybe I will eventually make it to a fucking weeb. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Carl, you're, you're more of a star Wars guy, right? Am I understanding that right? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I started watching star Wars recently like maybe a couple of years ago and just got mm. really into it um so yeah uh i guess non-anime wise i caught up with the book of boba fett um mm. which i know like that wrapped up earlier this week um but yeah it's been interesting because with star wars visions that was kind of like the bridge between star wars and anime mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. that was an interesting thing to, to watch over the was that fall i think it came out in the fall last I year i think so but that sounds yeah. right yeah I mean, it's 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 fun, like going into like the Western pop culture and then switching over to anime and seeing all of these different perspectives and sometimes collaborations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you think of Visions? You guys, two thumbs up, two thumbs down. So I didn't watch it. I'm going to default to Carl on this one. Um, I would say it was it was great. Like the first episode uh, where mm. they. We're focusing on the the Ronin, and it had like that kind of Akira Kurosawa feel um, with its mm-hmm. style. I really liked it, and just seeing them incorporate like these feudal Japanese elements with the lore of Star Wars, and I think I, I just also appreciate that each of the shorts um, they existed outside of the, I guess the the Disney Star Wars canon, so they were kind of free to do as they pleased with with each of the stories. Um, I think a couple of them were hit or miss, but overall I, I enjoyed it. And I'm kind of hoping that they kind of have like a second anthology series, maybe invite other studios, hmm. uh, other anime studios to um, kind of put in their vision for Star Wars. Uh, and I, I also like to see them explore other things outside of, because I feel like a lot of visions focused on like lightsaber duels, but I would love to see things hmm. outside of that, like 
maybe focus more on character stories of people who live in the galaxy or like certain other Truth. Kind of alien creatures. Yeah. So I feel that. Well, you might have to wait that long because Disney Plus is uh, creating original anime series. Oh shit! So, really? I didn't have that. Yeah, there's shit. one coming out. I think this summer or spring. So we won't have to wait too long to see what that's like. You know, Acura has anime now, like the car company. What? Yeah, what? I, saw, <laughs> I saw some ads for like an Acura anime. It's all about Acura racing. Oh my! Oh. I don't know how I feel about that. It's kind of weird. <laughs> That's it? like when um, with, when any major sports league puts out like an advertisement in anime form. I'm like, I don't know about this. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure that Super Sonico was uh, a spokes uh, anime for or spokes like character for a car company as well. So, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get another Super Sonico. Yeah, I'm picturing an Acura anime as being like Initial D, but everybody drives yeah. Acuras. Yes. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. An- initial Acura. Yeah. Initial A. Initial A, yes. <laughs> okay, and our, my last question is, what was your first anime? And what anime... Would you say that you is your favorite to impress someone? Ooh. Mm. Carl, I'll let you go first. Because <laughs> I have well, mine. <laughs> a very interesting question. Yeah. Um, I don't think I could consider Pokemon the first anime because that was kind of like before we knew Pokemon was an anime. Jelly donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Jelly donuts. Um, I'm trying to recall because it was mostly Courtney that kind of brought me back into watching anime. So I want to say... First one, uh, was it Attack on Titan? I think it was. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, first proper one that I, I, I followed. Um, and I, I guess it's a, it's a nice kind of gateway. Because um, I feel like it was, back then it kind of reminded me of, like I grew up reading and watching Harry Potter, but like having the same like fantasy world. Um, and then like obviously like, the story is much bigger than that with with the Titans, especially with this final season. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, it was Attack on Titan that was the first. I was hoping proper- you'd say Video Girl Eye. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was yeah Attack on Titan, and it, it's going to be kind of not, not cathartic, but kind of like a, closing a chapter of my life once once the final season is, or like once the series wraps up this year. Mm. So, mm-hmm. You got to answer the second question too. I'm curious to know. What was it again? What was, um, what kind of what anime would you say is your favorite to impress someone? If you're like, Whoa. oh, well, I like this anime. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Video Girl Eye. Video Girl Eye. Yes. <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. <laughs> um, maybe that or. I feel like this would be cliche, like Cowboy Bebop. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a. Uh, very cliched answer, but like I, I just love that series so much, and I feel like you know, Cowboy Bebop's kind of cemented itself, um, not just within the anime realm, but outside of that. Uh, but then I would also just feel like a pretentious person <laughs> saying that I would <laughs> recommend Cow- Cowboy Bebop. So, hmm. yeah, and for me, um, I mean, I 
like everybody, I, I grew up with like Pokemon, Sailor Moon, Card Captor, Yu-Gi-Oh, all of those. But I would say, again, I think my my true gateway anime was Inuyasha, and I still remember putting on Adult Swim. Um, and like it was the I don't know if this is spoilers, but it's the episode where they bring a certain character back. Um, and she's like butt ass naked. And I was like really young at the time. And I'm like, this doesn't look like anything I'd see in Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or anything. So I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, so yeah, that was my my first true anime. And I didn't even understand. What, I didn't know what the term anime was at the time. So I kept calling it these fantasy cartoons. Ooh, I learned okay. eventually. That's what I'm going to um, call it now. <laughs> but I'd say for me, I, I tell everyone when I want to impress people and, and otherwise that my favorite is Jojo Biza- Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, which it is. It's my my number one favorite <laughs> show. And then they ask me, what is that about? And I'm like, I'm not even going to attempt to explain it to you because you'll think I'm crazy. <laughs> Fair. So what are your answers, Amelia? Mine, my, um, I mean, I, I feel like everyone knows this, but my favorite or my first anime was Naruto. Um, my, one of my friends introduced me to Naruto and Torrenting, which is also going to come up later in the episode. <laughs> but, um, the seven seeds. <laughs> uh, and then my favorite anime that I always tell everybody is the Monogatari series. I love that series so much. It's Ooh, more than just the average nice. harem. And I feel like if you hmm. are a fan of anime that is a little bit deeper into uh, watching anime, then ever, you should check it out. Are you a fast reader? Um, I actually am not a fast reader <laughs> at all. <laughs> but I feel like I, I, I like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I had to do too when I watched Bakemonogatari. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is great, but I'm kind of, I'm getting confused. So I had to keep pausing and going back and like, what did they just say? <laughs> yeah. And what's really frustrating too is like when you pause it and read it, it's literally like what's happening on screen. So like you don't even need to read it, but it's just like the visual aspect of that <laughs> that I love. So my, my first anime. I guess was Dragon Ball Z and Techno Man on you know WB Saturday morning cartoons growing up, but it was Eureka Seven on Adult Swim that really changed changed my perspective on anime. That was the that was my my breakout show. Yeah, you know? um, but if I yeah if I was gonna flex on somebody, I, you know what I would you say? Better, I would oh say Legends of the Galactic <laughs> no, Heroes. No. You know it, man. If I was gonna flex on somebody, I'd be like, I'm not interested in your little kid bullshit, you know, itchy anime. I'm into shit like Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Yeah, that's a good one to pull out because then you're you're gonna get a lot of like scratch like scratching of the head and like, hmm, I feel a little uncomfortable about this. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, my mine's probably somewhere around Dragon Ball and Pokemon, personally. Um, but I remember having a Macross toy that I think was like mm. remarketed as something else, mm. and maybe it was Robotech. I don't know. I don't remember. But I do remember watching Sci-Fi Channel a lot in the mornings, like on Sunday mornings, and uh, they had Robotech on or um. Truth. Stuff that I can't remember. True. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, of- when you say it like that, that was that was one of the three earliest memories of my life was watching Robotech when I was like, yeah, yeah. when I was still in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Try to impress somebody. Yeah. I don't know. That's too easy. You know, just say like video girl. <laughs> and I, you know, and I, I can't say that it uh, necessarily holds up, but 
watching it uh what is uh it's been like 20 or 30 years now since this thing's come out oh yeah it is 2022 uh, and it came out in 92 92 yeah so wow my sister was born that year Mm. I was born that year. Yeah, you were what? born that year, Carl. I'm as old as Video Girl I. What? Mm, interesting. I planned that. <laughs> you plan- oh, yeah. There's something we need to know. You guys planning something out? That we just secret secret mission here. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so we dig into Video Girl I. Dan, I want to know your your first comings of this show. I want to know if you if you've heard of it before. Wait, what did you just say? First comings, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? what is that? It's not weird. Well, is that first, a play yeah, on the words? First, the first time my comings while watching this show was when this happened on screen. Yeah, what was the first anime you came to? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to rack my brain a little bit for that one, to be honest. Um, so I have never heard of Video Girl Eye prior to us doing this podcast. Are you serious? The only, the only experience I had with this show prior to watching it for this podcast was Amelia referencing it at various points. I, I do in, reference In conversation. It I do. Yeah. It's, it's so iconic. Don't don't feel bad, Dan. I also have never heard of this until Same. you guys are like, let's review Video Girl I. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> and even when you, uh, I think Amelia, you referenced it in your like the anime that just served like a second season mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. That was also the first time that I heard about this. So. <laughs> There's like 15 volumes of manga. <laughs> I haven't I haven't gone back to read the manga or anything. I rewatching it now. I'm like, man. I need to go do that like right now but um they're so they condensed it I, they condensed mm. it so much now i just want to know there's a lot of romance i just want to know if the romance pans out mm. so uh, yeah how how did you first come to experience this uh, so, this show amelia 
unlike I said before, my friend introduced me to torrenting. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, at the time, I would like go onto forums and search like if this I like this anime, which other anime should I watch? And um, I don't know exactly how I came to find it. Sometimes I would just download things that I thought sounded cool. Um, and then never never watch them. But Video Girl I, I was like, oh, that sounds so cool. Like, a video girl? What does AI mean? Wait, 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 wait. I thought we... I, I could have swore we watched this at university. At, uh, it's in school. We did. We did watch it at that. Yeah. But okay. I had watched it previously because I, down, I downloaded it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't know if I even watched all of it, but I definitely... But that first episode, I was like, oh my goodness... This is a genre that I enjoy. Like, I just, I love when when technology is mixed with, like, everyday kind of, like, um, Chobits and, like, Dr. Slump, like, robot girls trying to be human or whatever. That's, like, hmm. a genre that I super duper love. So, hmm. yeah, that's how. That's how. I, tor- I torrented it. <laughs> but, I was going to say, I was going to ask if you were going to, you actually watched it on, like, a VHS, like, no, back in um, the day. <laughs> My boyfriend does have a the VHS set though. Oh. So like wow. originally when the the only way to get this I believe was through mail order and you would have to order the tapes individually. Um so the first tape uh comes with the first 3 3 episodes and then the other tapes come with two episodes each plus like some extra bonus stuff. Mm. And they really, really, really was trying to sell you on Key the Metal Idol. <laughs> oh, I like Key the Metal Idol. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was like ev- yeah. every advertisement before Video Girl I was Key the Metal Idol. Really? Interesting. Yeah. And then at the end, they also wanted to sell you on Anamerica, which was like a, um anime magazine. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. forgot about Anamerica. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, the only way to watch this in the 90s was through the um, the... English dubbed VHS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me personally, I I did pick up the VHS um, in the two thousands, early two thousands, because there was a period um, where you know DVDs were transitioning, or VHS was fan- transitioning to D- to VHS, and um, so you could go to a con or a store and you could find like you know multiple tapes for really cheap. Um, so the ones I the I had I had found it on sub in subtitled format on VHS, mm. and it was uh, I think it was either at Pandora's Cube, which is our local anime shop, um, and they had the entire set for like fifteen twenty bucks. Mm. Um, so this was like this is for me personally. This was like a series I watched when the stuff on TV wasn't I guess wasn't cutting it maybe, or I was mm-hmm. like I need the Toonami's cool and everything, and Adult Swim's cool. But that awesome. they weren't showing Video Girl Eye, mm. and I was, not, you know, I was a young lad, and I was very horny. <laughs> so, you know, this looked like it was up my alley. It's a lot of nudity, a lot of nudity for the times. Yeah, but it's strange, like watching it, you know, at a younger age versus watching it as an adult. Mm. You can kind of like start to uh, see this, see, see, mm. like, all right, so these are the shows that are coming out nowadays. And like, what, what is it taking from this show? And then you can kind of like trace the steps back mm. farther and further and further, you know? I yeah. have to, to piggyback off of that. I have to say 
Um, I loved watching this because if there's one takeaway that I got from watching Video Girl I, it's that slice of life romance anime has not changed in the last 30 years. Like <laughs> it was the same tropes, yes. the same character types, the same formulas. But I almost kind of enjoyed that. I'm like, that's that's mm-hmm. that's kind of uh, I don't know. Just shows how tried and true that that formula is. <laughs> yeah, I will say I think the earlier rom-coms have a better um, sense of like building tension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pauses, a lot of no music, just like angst. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen that in a really long time. Um, uh, Cause you know, I watch a lot of seasonal anime um, and I feel like re- in recent years, the only ones that have come close to building tension like this is um, probably um, Tony Kawa under the moon, over the moon for you, and maybe maybe even Sasaki and Miyano that's airing right oh, now. Oh yeah, because there's a they they pause and like hands are almost touching, but they're not touching, and they're about to touch, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> it's that nice slow burn. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I also found it interesting when I was doing some reading up on this before watching it on Mal. It's listed as an etchy and yeah. is like R plus mild nudity. So I thought there was going to be some wild things. There's like some tasteful titty here or there. Mm-hmm. And I figured that's like 1992 level fan service versus like nowadays etchy. I mean, you look at my dress up darling and I'm oh like that. Yeah. It makes it makes video girl. I seem like just totally innocent compared to what's out there now. <laughs> no, that, that was how I felt watching this, too, because I, I assumed assumed because Amelia had had referenced it as being an edgy kind of show that this was going to be a uh, oh, quite a bit more trashy and, and more like hyper sexualized but yeah it's uh, it's pretty mild mm-hmm. in that well, kind it of did make us watch um Sakura Diaries which is a little bit trashier <laughs> yeah Sakura Diaries is much trashier than mm-hmm. this I think yeah I, I thought well, the, oh sorry oh I was gonna say while we're talking about the boobs in this show I have a question um, it, I, I don't know if this is integral to the plot or not, but why did her boobs shrink? It was because the VCR wasn't, was like malfunctioning. So she wasn't, it was sucking the life force out of her I tits. Yeah. <laughs> I just needed, I, I, I needed like, uh, some clarity around that. I was like, why did her boobs keep getting smaller? It's, it's the opposite of Nezuko's breasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I figured it was just because of the malfunctioning, uh, VCR. That makes sense. Yeah. I guess it starts with the boobs and then it'll, tr- you know, trickle out to other places. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what they said in, in show, but it didn't make any sense to me either. Yeah. So we describe this show, like, what is this? Yeah. What the hell is this thing about? <laughs> other than video, you know, girls popping out of screens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what is this really what about? That's a good really question about? in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> What was this show trying to tell me exactly? Don't fall in love with a video girl because you might not get her back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, huh. Hmm. How how would you, Carl and Courtney? How would you how would you synops- synopsize this show? <laughs> uh, the thing I wrote in my notes is that this was kind of like an anime version of the movie Her. With walking, oh, that's interesting. That's me. That's the casual in me. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I also thought maybe it's not really, but like a a reverse isekai is with her coming out of the TV, mm-hmm. but she doesn't feel like it's not like she's fish out of water mm. um, when she enters mm. the real world. Um, 
Yeah, that, that, <laughs> and I, I just kept getting her vibes with with um, I story. And is that a like? Is her name a play on words? Because I thought it was Video Girl AI, uh, but it's like yeah. her name's actually I. I started. I started wondering that too, to be honest. But I, I decided that artificial intelligence in Japanese wouldn't be shortened in the same way, so it was not supposed to be a reference to that. But that I also spent like two episodes wondering if if it was supposed to be a play on, <laughs> yeah, art, the artificial intelligence of the non-humanoid being, you know, video the video girl I. I mean, yeah. yeah, she did le- need to learn how to cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was like, I was a world-class chef in my world. <laughs> it's interesting, though, that you kind of call it the reverse isekai. I could see that. If I were to try to summarize the show, it's it's essentially um, the story of a kid who can't, can't get any girls, and he's caught up in this love triangle. He's in love with a girl who's in love with his best friend, you know, as they always are. Mm-hmm. And so I comes <laughs> out of the TV a la you know, the, the ring or something (laughs) and is there to help coach him to win this girl's heart. But then she ultimately falls in love with him and he falls in love with her. And then the last episode kind of takes like a sharp left turn and then that's it. The end. (laughs) (laughs) It has a very like nineties anime ending. Like maybe everything is fine and maybe it's not, but the world still turns. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we need we need to crucify somebody. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. Thanks, watching thanks. watching that last episode, I was like half expecting. Like, I get it. Climaxes are in, are intense in shows and all that stuff. They get very serious, but it felt a little disconnected from the rest of the show because it had such great humor. But I half expected I to like turn into a mecca and then like Yota would have to battle her or something. I was like, what am I watching right now? <laughs> Yeah, I was getting Armitage to third vibes mm. from the from the ending, mm. which is a cyberpunk anime from the same same decade. Uh, maybe not as uh, groundbreaking, but still. Yeah, the last episode was definitely my favorite one for being a little bit more uh, metaphorical and a little bit more artistically interesting. Mm-hmm. That scene where he falls onto the glass stairs and gets impaled with glass. Yeah, the way he gets Woo. impaled with glass was really like, good lord, like, what is up with that glass? Dude? Like, <laughs> yeah, the glass doesn't pierce straight through your skin like a knife on hot butter. Like, what the hell? It does because love is pain. And the glass is representative of love, and love is only pain. <laughs> right, okay. It made me feel very nostalgic of just how fantastic um 90s anime did like gore and violence compared to today um you always see those compilation videos on youtube of like 90s anime like you know gore scenes basically and Mm -hmm. there's something very artistic and like realist about it um and i just again even though it felt disconnected from the rest of the show (laughs) just watching that got me like really excited to watch more 90s anime heck yeah yeah there's there's a lot like this show if you if you want a list, we'll, we'll create a we list for it. the uh, Discord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll put it in the Discord for people who want to check this out and other things that are adjacent. Mm-hmm. Another thing by the same creator is DNA Squared, which is also I think an OVA series. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, eyes. Eyes was a big one. Same. Uh, oh, same three by three car. eyes. Oh, I like. No, 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 no. Or just eyes. Just eyes. Prostitute. What is it? What is it? Eyes. I. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying hard not to poop on this too much. It didn't, it didn't really hit. It's really okay, Dan. Me. We all we all already know we are very opposite. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the the number one thing that bothered me about this was uh, Nisei Nisei Mono or Takahashi. I guess it's easier to just say Takahashi. That was the guy's the friend's name, right? What the mm-hmm. fuck is up with Takahashi's hair? Oh my <laughs> god, I hated it. Ow. I was supposed it. to be a sexy Wolverine boy. <laughs> I was like, "What other wings on his face? Yeah. What is yeah. that?" It was very yeah. distracting. It's like, yo, get a get a comb, dude. Like, I ain't never combed my hair before, but if I had hair like that, I would fucking comb and use product. Good lord. I also, yeah. when it comes to ta- uh, Takashi or whatever his name is, I found it so funny that when he does start dating Moami, he's a complete asshole to her. And I'm like, I don't understand. And then later on, Yota's like, oh, Takashi, you're always mean to the girls you date. Like, what the fuck? Why, though? Like, absolutely no explanation as to why he's an asshole. Because before, they portray him as a really nice dude. And he does, like, a 180 when Moami confesses to him. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I yeah. thought he was doing that intentionally just so Yota could... That's what I thought, too, until Yota said, oh, you're always mean to the girls that you date. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Is this normal? Is that is that just how you are? Yeah, I, I started to wonder if he was gay, to be honest. Like, if, if he was just being mean to the girls in his life because, you know, he was had not yet accepted that he was gay. I did get some some vibes in the beginning. Mm. I kind of wondered, like, oh, does maybe Takashi have feelings for, for Yota? Because he's just, like, hell-bent mm. on getting Moami to be with Yota. I think it's more of just, like, a, him being a really good best friend and trying to, you know, make sure his friends are, are happy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He was, his character was just kind of like hot and cold for me. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, if I was Takahashi, I would have been really annoyed that Moemi kept talking about Yota while we're on our date. And I'd be like, girl, can you stop? <laughs> like, what you- That's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> you want yeah. to be with me? Cause you said I- you love me and then you confessed and now you're like Yota this and Yota that. And I can tell that you like him. Yeah. And you know, I, I understand that Takahashi was, being kind of rude throughout a lot of this but moemi was not doing herself any favors she was not i mean she's like i'm i'm too nervous and and maybe this is maybe this is the difference between watching this as is like a teenager versus watching this in my mid-30s because i i look at the characters acting like this on screen and i'm like you're too nervous to talk to them like what the hell's wrong with you man just just fucking talk you know if you want to that was that was me in high school okay Mm. These these people were me. Yeah, and, and <laughs> people. To Wait, be which fair, one were you? <laughs> were you Moemi uh, or were I you was, Takahashi or were I you was Yota. Yota? Oh, Yota. <laughs> I was Yota. Okay. Yeah, and, and See, to be fair, Yota I, has a bunch of redeeming qualities, I believe. Yeah, three <laughs> of them, right? Isn't that what yes. they say in the show? <laughs> <laughs> that's three what virtues. I. That's what I says in my show. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I I was right in line with these characters when i was at that age as well you know i uh, i also was like uh acting like an idiot and very emotionally immature and, and emotionally timid and whatnot 
Um, I feel like a lot of issues in romance anime in general could be solved if they just communicated. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah, imagine yeah, how yeah. short those stories would be if they just communicated? <laughs> yeah. Truth. Doesn't make Truth. for an interesting plot. That's true. So. It ruins the tension and the slow burn, but sometimes I'm like, just tell him already. And you know, it's, it's know. interesting. It was interesting for me as I watched this and feeling like, you know, why, why is Moemi like uh, so useless or like like you're not not really like giving takahashi anything to be attracted to if you just Mm -hmm. like clam up and sit there in silence and like don't engage with him or don't participate in your guy's date um but then when i when i watch like when i watch it in anime i'm like ah like this is so frustrating and, and it doesn't really resonate with me when i watch it in like dawson's creek or one tree hill i'm like oh you know i'm like hyper and <laughs> hyper engaged i'm like look at these fucking dumbass people oh, you know like just like a running streaming commentary of of shit and it's like why why does this hit so much better for me in live action trashy teenage dramas than it does in anime and at- so we we got you covered dan there's a live action video girl eye yeah i saw i saw that that was a yeah. thing yeah so maybe i would like that more yeah have you guys we'll seen it? Is it any good? This. It is on YouTube. I watched the first oh. 15 minutes of it. Oh. <laughs> it's uh it's it's different. I enjoy <laughs> campy Japanese adaptation live action adaptations. They're like one of my favorite things to watch. Um if I have already watched the series, it um It actually follows the manga a little bit closer mm. than the anime does. Oh, interesting. When I heard it, it, it mm-hmm. takes place like uh, many years, after. years after. Yeah, yeah. but it, you said it kind of follows what happened in the manga. So maybe what I was watching was the TV series. I could have swore it was the mm. the movie because uh, there was a live action movie in in ninety one. Uh, shit. So maybe oh, and there was a yeah. live action television series in twenty eighteen. So I think this was this was definitely the '90s one. It had to oh, be. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the end of one of the um, VHS tapes, the creator comes on and talks about yes. um, how there was a uh, there was um, it was a live drama before it was an anime, and he was unsure if he could translate that into an anime. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So I was I was kind of turned off by. Yeah, Moemi is like weird inability to to date effectively. Uh and yeah, <laughs> Takahashi was kind of yeah, rude and weird. But I, I'd also was was kind of flustered by I herself because she gets up, you know, she pops out of the TV and she seems to have these kind of discrepant goals for for why she's coming out. She's like, Oh, I'm I'm gonna comfort this guy that is so lonely and heartbroken. But also, I'm going to help her help him start dating Moemi and like build himself up to confess his love to Moemi and start dating her. But also, I kind of like him too and don't actually want to share him at all because I love him as well. But also, I'm not actually allowed to love him. And it's like, pick a lane. No, 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 no. I'm going to explain it to you, Dan. Okay. Okay. Because um, in the setting of this anime, 
She is literally a video girl. Normally, she would not have come out of his TV. It would have been a, v a VHS tape that he is watching that kind of is supposed to give him companionship if he is like, has a broken heart because in yeah. the beginning of video girl i there's a title screen that says for broken hearts only uh, yeah it's, um, it's like a parasitic relationship before that was a big thing because of youtube and shit yeah so yeah. she and the only reason why she even pops out of the screen is because his vhs player is totally broken and um so she pops mm. out of the screen being a video girl having um having all of these like preconceptions of what a video girl is supposed to be. And then she realizes through being in this world and knowing what it's like to actually interact with her client that she thinks he probably will be happier if right. they date. If uh -huh. I can get them together, he will then in turn not need me anymore. And I will have fulfilled my job as a video girl. But as you know, when you live with someone and get close to them, you realize that like, oh, these are some qualities that I would like to keep around. <laughs> I would like to have in my life for a long time. So she has to still, she doesn't want to tell him that she loves him because she is a video girl. She doesn't, she's not supposed to be able to fall in love. And I think the not supposed to be able to fall in love is like the key factor here because um, hmm. she and she shouldn't inherently be able to fall in love because she is literally a videotape, a girl inside of a videotape. So the fact that she is falling in love and can fall in love is kind of breaking the mold of video girls in general. So that's kind of why we get this like very weird, crazy last episode because she is breaking all of the rules and they are trying to decide if that is something that they are going to allow so this all started because of a faulty VCR player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we should have prefaced the show with what is a VCR and what is a VHS. Yeah. If you don't and, know those there terms, might be people maybe who listen. click away. <laughs> maybe some people will never have had to use one. I don't know. Hmm. Yes. So uh, what you say makes sense, Amelia. And I recognize she's breaking the, the mold. She's the most yeah. amazing video girl ever because she <laughs> fell in love. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the, that interpretation does resolve a lot of my, my kind of questions about what is going on. Also, um, I am literally I, so <laughs> but, um, I, <laughs> I need so to defend her. I, She's the character that I connect with most in the show. Yeah, well, and, and this would be my major gripe with, with our guy, uh, Yuta. Yuta uh, he should be enjoying and savoring his time with I, because I is so much cooler than Moemi. I know, right? Yeah. Fuck, yeah. fuck Moemi, honestly. Yeah. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say, I like, really do not like her at all. Like, yeah, like Yuta just sets himself up to be mercilessly cucked over and over and over again, <laughs> when there's this totally attractive and engaging and wonderful person next to him, that he has so much, like, uh, synergy and and he, he has so much uh, investment in he's like totally into her it's like dude like get your head out of your ass you know <laughs> yeah, he does. To question like what yota finds so attractive about moemi because like throughout the, the series i feel like she never gives him the time of day and you know he makes that confession to her and she thinks it's just practice and i was like that guy sounded so genuine <laughs> in his confession of his love. Yeah. yeah. So I guess like, yeah, as with the case with I, 
it's like you don't realize what you have until it's like standing right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised by Ai's character because you get her first introduction as her as a video girl and she's very proper and everything. And we're coming fresh off of Carl having finished Marmalade Boy where it was, I didn't watch it, but I'd see it in the background when he was watching it. And it was very just like a, a, a cute very like buttoned up type of romance no, and so i was wasn't. well they didn't <laughs> no, have the level wasn't. of like silliness i think that that this show has so seeing i i was like oh she's gonna be some like really cute but basically like another moemi but then she comes out and she's got like her tits in his face and she's got like this raspy voice and this big uh, big personality and she's just so much more fun and engaging than moemi mm-hmm. could ever hope to be moemi's just too bland i think at the end of the mm-hmm. day I would also I would like to draw parallels between um uh Moemi and Hinata from Naruto. Oh, mm. like spice hot take. Ah. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. That's how I feel about Hinata. She didn't do nothing, but apparently Naruto loved her so much for what reason, I don't know. Is Hinata the blind girl? Sorry, I we haven't yes. watched Naruto. <laughs> she is. <laughs> Well, she's not blind. <laughs> she's blind. I I, under, I understand. I understand what you say because her eyes her eyes are drawn in a way that would normally represent blindness. But she's she's not blind. You oh, know? she's not. I don't no, know. She has. About he has eye, she has like she has eyeball powers. Is, is the issue? <laughs> eyeball powers. <laughs> oh, I don't know why I thought she was blind. Maybe I just made that no. But by the well, way, so I, I I understand. Like I understand why you would think that if you were just like had never seen Naruto in context before, because the way they draw her eyes and the character design to be like kind of big and grayed out and whatnot. Like, and I, I've never thought of that, but as you say that, it's like, yes, I, that would totally read as somebody being blind. If you were to just look at that and be like, Oh, their eyes look so unnatural because they're blind. Yeah. You know? So I, I understand, but yeah, she's not, Hinata's not actually blind. Oh, okay. Well, I, there, I learned something today. No, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> no, Hinata's cool. No, not And even I understand Moemi. why Naruto likes her in the end. <laughs> no. You know? She's exactly like Moemi. She can't no, do she's anything. Not. No. Because mm. well, no, Moemi's <laughs> definitely blind to Yoda's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, Hinata, so, I mean, Hinata's trajectory is that she's this, like, shy, timid girl that looks, that, that is inspired by Naruto to eventually gain confidence and uh, kind of assert her agency in her life. And Naruto eventually realizes that his feelings for Sakura are unreciprocated. And he, you know, similar to Yota, comes to value uh, the person next to him, you know. And, and I, I have to imagine it's a little bit like because Hinata likes him so much, then he starts to reciprocate her feelings. But it was her that, like, got the ball rolling, you know. I think that's different than Moemi because Moemi is not some shy, timid person, particularly. Uh, she she interacts with Takahashi in this kind of way, um, but they don't, Takahashi doesn't interact with her as if, like, like he's bothered by her timidness in this context because she he's looking at her like, you're not some timid, shy person. I don't know why you're clamming up around me. You know, I, I think if she was a naturally timid and shy person that he might have more sensitivity to that and kind of like 
frame his his interactions with her a little bit differently versus mm-hmm. somebody that like you see that she's having a good time with Yuta. You see that she has a good time with her other classmates. She's like perfectly capable of holding conversation and engaging with other people. She's just not doing it with you on your date. And, it's, and that I'm sure is like very, very frustrating. One thing I found interesting about the relationship between Moemi and Yota was that um kind of with the, the, the context around Japanese culture, um, Yota was on a first name basis with, with Moemi, calling her Moemi-chan, but she would call him by his last name, Moteuchi-san mm. or whatever. But that to me, like, that was a big signal that, yeah, they were not on the same the same uh, level when it, or they, they weren't um, aligned on how they saw their relationship right. together because I think mm-hmm. he saw them as being much more closer than, than she saw their, their friendship. Right, right. Wow, great point. I totally missed that. Uh, that's that's really interesting. That's good. Because I was I was looking at Mal uh, before we we started recording here, and I'm like, what is Hayakawa? I'm like, oh, that's Momi's last name. But then I realized she he like never said her last name. They were always mm-hmm. on a well, he was mm-hmm. on a first name basis with with her, but not the other way around. Hmm. I want to know where he got her picture. Oh yeah, that was weird. Because <laughs> like I don't know, I don't just have like pictures of my crush in a in a picture frame on my desk. <laughs> I also like how like when Moemi comes over and he wants to hide the frame, but all he does is just put the frame <laughs> I down. Know. On the desk. I was like in every Japanese like uh, rom com I've seen, like the girl definitely goes through all the drawers, and they're like, "No, <laughs> yeah. don't go through my drawers." And she, she could literally just lift up the frame yeah. and see the picture of herself. Like, great hiding spot. So, I, I, it's a good question as to how Yuta, Yota, whatever, Yota, Yota how Yota got Moemi's picture. But I, I think the answer to that lies in other Japanese high school dramas because I, I feel like it is. Uh, relatively consistent in anime that you'll see high school boys wheeling and dealing in pictures of attractive high school girls. Oh, oh yeah. You know, I guess they did do that in Sakura Diaries. Mm-hmm. A little bit. And I'm not, not every high school drama has this, but I, I feel like I've seen that enough in anime. Mm. That, uh, I don't know if that's a thing. In, like, I'm, on the one hand, if you see it often enough, you wonder like, well, I guess that really happens over there. But then you're like, oh, my God, does that really happen over there? That's kind of like <laughs> weird and grotesque in my opinion. I feel like, well, Whatever. I don't, I feel like I've seen it in a different context where the yearbook um, will have the pictures printed out and put on a post, yeah. like on a wall. And you can like pay for pictures that you want to take off the wall. And you just oh, pay yeah, I've seen that pictures. too. Uh, and you get to keep okay. the pictures. So yeah. is it customary to like hand out? your your book photo i know we like in high school we kind of did yep. that i remember doing that yeah yeah middle school high school yeah middle school mm. yeah. that's right yeah mm. sign it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Packus or whatever have a kick-ass summer <laughs> 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 that's right man all the different little acronyms of youth. <laughs> is it k-i-t <laughs> keep in touch yeah <laughs> Fuck. Mom still says Fuck. that. Have a kick-ass day. <laughs> like, All right, thanks, mom. Yeah, we gotta we gotta bring this shit back, man. I'm I'm gonna start ending my emails to people, you know, and shit like that. <laughs> Sign your name and then hack us. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's winter. Yeah, it's winter. <laughs> I have a, I have a quick question. Uh, I'm like skimming my notes here. 
Um, so for for those who read the manga, the picture book contest part, like that came out of nowhere. Is that relevant to the story at all? Because like Yota gets rejected by Moemi and then decides to make a children's picture book for a contest and then he doesn't finish it and it goes nowhere. So I'm just like, is that bigger in the manga or like what what was that? That's a good question because I was like, oh, look at this boy. He's going to be a little artist. <laughs> I like that. But then, yeah, it yeah. doesn't go anywhere. I didn't read that far into the manga, so I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I wish I, wish I had an answer. Uh, we'll, we'll dig deep. I'll dig deep for you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's on the mission. <laughs> I guess in a somewhat related question, where the fuck are his parents? I was like, where, where are the oh, parents? I, I think, believe was one of them mom, dead or something? Yeah, I believe his mom passed away. He said, um, it's been 10 years um, without my mom. And then his dad is usually away on um, overseas on business. Which uh, is very okay. common of anime parents. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it's just like cool. Jotaro Kujo's dad touring mm. with his jazz band or whatever. <laughs> he never shows up. Yeah. <laughs> It just happens. This, this has happened quite a bit. I guess it gives the protagonist some agency or like maybe the, uh, well, you could say it gives them freedom to, to be a pervert uh, <laughs> and to have girls in their room because yeah. you can't do that in real life. Yeah. yeah, just like a very convenient plot device. And I'm like, yeah, if, if, if your dad was there, none of this shit would be going down. <laughs> or maybe it would because Eye's kind of out there. She's kind of wild. Yeah. The dad would be like, "Yeah, son, go get him." <laughs> no, I can kiss sex, sis. <laughs> um, so I, I want to take a step back in our conversation for a moment. I, this just popped into my head um, to to when Amelia was uh, describing the plot. Uh, at the end of the plot, yeah, as we know, I's VHS tape starts to run out. She starts disappearing. And then you you referred to them just in, in the blanket they you know as the two and two guys from the video store mm-hmm. that kind of swoop up and and dismiss I from the real world and and start discussing like well you know what what is up with this video girl that has learned how to love and is she actually doing Yota any favors? Uh, originally, I thought that these two people were like god or some kind of angel type individuals uh but when you describe i as being like a literal video girl that just you know paranormal style you know straight out of the ring comes out of the vhs tape then i'm like all right then who are these two people that created i and and are judging her so the only reason why Yota was even able to rent a video girl is because he had he was down and out and he had pure heart. So mm-hmm. the video store appeared to him when he was very sad and walking home. And uh, I would I want to equate it to something like uh, like Gremlins. Like it's a person who has a shop that is maybe a little bit magical mm-hmm. that you can get these like magical creatures and then like they have all these rules and then you take them back and try and take care of them kind of thing so um i don't you don't even really get introduced to the second or like guy like the redheaded guy i feel like until the fourth episode when he's like walking around behind Mm -hmm. i like kind Mm -hmm. of surveillancing her um and i think that's um that's something that probably would have been explained more in the manga i feel like you would have seen him appear um like maybe throughout the series like maybe 
you know, like after the first episode, kind of because she came out and she's not supposed to. Um, so maybe that would be explained more in the manga. But from when I was rewatching it, I was like, okay, so this guy is kind of like, I guess where video girls came from. Like he's the one, he's the creator of the video girl system. Um, <clears throat> and he gets the old man to man the shop to sell the, the memberships to people. You know, I'm looking at Mal, the dude's name like, that's in all red. The dude's name is Rolex. I'm like, what a badass <laughs> name. <laughs> name like, himself after the cool. watch. Like uh, my Hell name is yeah. Rolex. <laughs> that explains uh, all the, like the time like images uh, i guess but rolex i mean (laughs) (laughs) i was kind of getting that like cinderella you know (laughs) reference or vibe of like you you know you you only have a limited time to be out in the real world and then you know when your time runs out if you if you do something wrong if you you know you fall in love and that's it Mm -hmm. you gotta go back you know Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch. No, I could see that. I could definitely see that. But unlike Cinderella, Yota, I think to Dan's point, Yota doesn't care as much about that time limit when he really should. (laughs) I know. I guess he is kind of like, uh, that's where he's still in like that teenage mentality where, you know, you think time is like infinite. You're just like, yeah, I get, I'll get to it when I get to it. Cause yeah, time's forever. (laughs) She's going to be in my life forever now. So, you know, whenever. Mm -hmm. But to the point of communicating and there being a lack of communication in these tropey anime sometimes, when when she first started f- like sparking like Pikachu in the hallway when uh, Yota was working on his art and then he asked her to go get the, I don't know what it was, the paper the that he needed. Mm-hmm. She was literally outside the door and he even said like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, it's all good. Don't worry about it. I'm like... <laughs> why just tell him be like i, I think i might be dying mm-hmm. right now <laughs> yeah. something is wrong please help me but no she decides to go out and get the the paper that he's asking for and then actually does kind of die her clothes like explode off her body and her tits hanging out and like this could have been avoided if you just told yota that you were kind of disappearing i know mm-hmm. mm. we'll say the eyes eyes uh drip is on point she's rocking some nice clothes. Oh, in yeah. This anime. Yeah, definitely. I would uh, cosplay that. Her, like, weirdly yeah. long armed sweater tied around her waist in her first <laughs> outfit was like, was tripping me out. I didn't like it personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are these two things hanging out the back? And I was like, these are the arms of a sweater tied around you? No, but, like, it's how? her Obi. Because she's wearing an Obi, like a kimono Obi. Uh, oh. Okay. Oh yeah, I see it. I'm looking up okay. a picture right now. I'm okay, look yeah, that up a makes sense. Real quick too. Yeah. I okay. like her hair swirls. Actually, I like the the girl's hair in this. It's just so 90s. Mm-hmm. Like oh the guy's God. hair is whatever, but the girl's hair. I'm like, this is this is 90s as fuck. Like that kind of like feathered look. Mm-hmm. It was great. <laughs> Yo, Moemi's hair is so big. Like in real life, like so like big. helmet head. <laughs> <laughs> I find it really interesting too because both um, Moemi and I, if you took away their hair, they're basically the same character. So Yoko's oh, like, yeah. I love oh, yeah. Moemi so much, but then also. I like this girl I and I'm like they're the same what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> they look exactly the same so of course you'd like I if you like Moemi <laughs> so the one the one thing that really bothered me about well one of the other things that really the bothered one? me about okay. I was that she fucking narked on Yota and Moemi 
she fucking just went straight to the police like look at these truants over here why don't you go arrest them <laughs> like oh my god she jealous she was jealous <laughs> yeah we have it was a policy, the first time, it was the first time in, that she in my life had- not to go to the cops over shit like that come on man <laughs> i'm a snitch yeah she's a snitch <laughs> yo but she was a little bit jealous and she's never felt jealous before yeah, she did have some struggles balancing being like the support system for Yota and her own growing interest in him. So mm-hmm. I can feel for that. Um, like when they're in the cafe and she sees Moemi walking down the street and he's intentionally like, doesn't say anything and then gets yeah. yelled at by Yota because he's like, why didn't you tell me she was right out there? Like you're on a date with her. That's why. It's kind of rude yeah. if you just leave her. I don't know. But yeah, I was, also, I found it so funny how Moemi and Takashi just always fucking conveniently were like right around the corner or like walking down the same street. They just always popped up. I'm like, don't you live in a big city? How are you always running into yeah. each other all the time? They're using that Google Maps. Yeah, they're, they're location they're tracking each other. Location tracking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was my, one of my big questions was like, how would this translate today? Like if they had to remake this into a TV show, would it work? You know, would it be successful or would they have to modify things? Mm, they would I definitely it- have to modify the VHS portion of it. Like a Blu-ray yeah. player. A like, Blu-ray. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> even like... Yeah. Um, Streaming. Streaming on to- Netflix. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah like going router. to a website. Like going to like a, a shady website or like your friend oh, gives sh- you like a like a pirated anime website or something like that. The dark net, yeah. the dark web. Dark You're web. Like, oh, you gotta you gotta go to this website that's on the dark web, so you gotta get Bitcoin first. So then, like you in a in a VPN, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but if you get it, it's gonna be fucking awesome. The girl's gonna pop out. <laughs> you know, jailbreak that shit. Jailbreak it first. <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure they need to update the VHS part of it because I, I think you can frame it pretty well. Just being like, oh, uh, you know, here's a here's like. Oh, I see that you're so brokenhearted and lonely. Here's a magical, you know, back in the day, they had these things called video girls, but they don't make them anymore. Like they made it like back in the 80s and 90s, you know, so you can only get it on VHS and then they find some like dusty old VHS and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, has some like ambiance and, and and atmosphere to it. And they find a VHS player and plug it in and put in the tape. And then it's like, whoa, you know, magic VH, you know, magic VHS tape. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that because they did something similar in Cowboy Bebop with Faye's backstory. Yeah, like yeah, they yeah. find this, Truth. they get sent this VHS and they have no fucking idea what it is. Mm-hmm. And they take it to like this dude who's like, oh, I think this is a relic from the 90s. And they give him like a an old ass. V- VCR mm-hmm. and they're able to play it. Um, so yeah, I, I could definitely see that working. And overall, I think that this the show wouldn't need to be modified too much to like the earlier point that it follows or kind of establishes a lot of the same formulas and tropes that we see in slice of life romance. I think it, it could still hold up today. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Maybe the hairstyles could change a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of like the, the 90s aesthetic of this. Ed. I don't know if like, I feel like if this were adapted to be like a longer series instead of just these six episodes i would just invest myself in watching it because like you said like courtney said a lot of the tropes still hold up um and i kind of like that sort of time capsule uh, of mm. watching mm-hmm. series as they were originally presented mm. a little bit like how jojo's bizarre adventure kind of goes through different time periods but it still keeps like certain norms about 
each respective time period. Like I would love to yeah. see this into a full fledged series, um, especially because like I'm still trying to wrap my head around the ending, and I don't know if um, I don't know if uh, like watching it as a full blown series might sh- um, shed more light on it. So yeah, I'd be down for more content. I think it's really good. Me too, man. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, apparently there's tons more content because this only covers, what, like the first quarter of the manga, if I understand this right? Three volumes. Three volumes. Three volumes out of 15. Yeah, Yeah, so there's still a good amount. There's still a good amount of of, uh, story. I feel like they could turn it into a Peach Girl situation. Hmm. Did the manga finish? Like, is it a complete story? Yeah. I think so. Okay. Mm. Pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, they. everything about Banana Fish and how they adapted that from, I believe it's an 80s anime, or manga rather. So they had to adapt and change some things around in the new anime series to fit more of a, people more culturally relevant. And even though it's like, you know, 80s New York City, it doesn't necessarily feel like that mm-hmm. in the newer mm-hmm. version of Banana Fish. So I think, yeah, they could probably do something similarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've been wondering, uh, just how sympathetic I am to Yota as being this like heartbroken guy. I mean, he basically just like sets himself up to be mercilessly cucked by his best friend. And I, <laughs> You know, as I was watching this, I I wonder, like, on the one hand, I'm like, dude, this is this is painful, man. Just like, I mean, if she's not interested, just move on. You know, like you're young. You know, you uh, uh, you got plenty of future ahead of you. you know, it's uh, you ain't got to waste your time on this. But then, as I look back on my own life, I feel like, well, I don't know. Like when I was that age, I was a Yota type character in a lot of ways, and. I guess that just com- comes with being, you know, a young high schooler. And I shouldn't shouldn't judge him so harshly, you know, for these these social transgressions, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. It's kind of went back to how I was saying, you know, just just communicate. It could be the, the solution to all your problems. But yeah, I, I probably would have not communicated back when I was that age and probably in those situations. So it's just like a learning experience that you you have to go through. I guess what I kind of, I'm kind of wrapping my head around again, like, is with the ending. Like, I I love I. She's obviously like the perfect fit for Yota. Like again, he didn't realize what he had until he was like standing right in front of him. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I'm trying to wrestle with the thing that she, like, she's a video girl, so she's not like a a real person. And so I guess I'm kind of thinking of it in terms of like if Yota were to use what he experienced with I or like the feelings that he had for her, but like kind of transfer that with someone else who, in the mm-hmm. real world that he cares about mm-hmm. um, rather than this mm-hmm. <laughs> AI, like artificial intelligence. So, but again, I don't know if that's just further pa- expanded upon in the, uh, in the manga or if like I ends up becoming a real girl. Cause I feel like I, I almost got like a Pinocchio vibe, again, mm-hmm. especially with the credits. Yes. Yeah, what the hell was that? that well, that yeah. that was that was my assumption as well. That uh, he climbs the stairway of love, and then 
Aww. there's a big yellow beam of some sort. I don't really the understand. Beam. That's right. The yellow that. beam. Yeah. Suddenly <laughs> oh they're seeing God. yellow, and but this all <laughs> comes that Yota has chosen his sincere feelings of love uh, mm. beyond or, or or above his practical sense of realism that I is not a real human being, you know, but has a finite lifespan and because of yota's love and and dedication then rolex (laughs) his name is rolex (laughs) Uh, then rolex grants i personhood Mm -hmm. and then they can all live happily ever after with i as Mm -hmm. a real human being Mm -hmm. that that is going to be i don't know yota's girlfriend yota's younger sister i don't know girlfriend Forever. But I, I got this okay. vibe because the very last shot is of the TV still on in Yota's room with like static or whatever, mm-hmm. that they were maybe implying that they are together, but they almost live in the video world. Like that's the compromise. Like, yeah, you can be with I and she can be free, but you're actually in the video world still. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I don't know, maybe that's just me like mm-hmm. mis- misinterpreting the, the final, final visual of that tv screen mm-hmm. um or maybe they're kind of leaving it open-ended for interpretation i don't know i was a little bit confused about that the very ending of yeah ending. so i want to touch on that real quick because um i don't know if i even remember the very very like end credit scene um the first time i watched it but this time i watched it um i had like i was watching it and then like i looked away like looked at my phone or something for a second and then um I came, like, I saw, like, the places that they had been, like, hanging out in the town. So, like, under the bridge and on the riverbank and, like, stuff like that. That was all empty. And there wasn't really, like, much, like, animation going Mm -hmm. on. It was more Mm -hmm. still images. Mm -hmm. And then I came back to Yota's room and the TV being on and there not being anyone there. So, um, at first, I was like, wait a second. Does that mean, like, that they don't live happily ever after? And, like, they're not, they're, they're, like, not back to reality? And, like, what does that mean for him and I? Because he just climbed that giant staircase. But then I rewound it. I rewound my tape. <laughs> and um, I watched it again. And um, the middle part, they have... I and Yota and Moemi and what is his name? Takashi. Takashi. Sorry. (laughs) They had had all of them like frolicking and laughing and being fun high schoolers together. But the difference was um, I was in a school uniform um, and the same as Moemi's, which previously in the show um when scott when i did go to school she wore a boy's uniform over top like i guess she went into uh um yota's closet and pulled out one of his like spare uniforms so the fact then i was like oh okay so like maybe and it's like still and calm because I did get um, granted personhood and is allowed to stay in this world with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that there are conditions that we couldn't see or like we don't know. Mm. So I, I thought it was interesting and I could be wrong, but I believe that those end credits where they're showing everything that you just described, mm-hmm. it has almost like this filter over it where the colors are almost like, like, so, like sun bleach, basically. Everything mm-hmm. just seemed a bit mm-hmm. lighter, mm-hmm. almost as if it wasn't reality. And then on top of that, I'm thinking Rolex was able to manifest uh, Moemi and Takashi when Yota entered the video world. And he mm-hmm. thought, oh, you followed me in here. At first, I was like, there's no fucking way. And then we, we find out later that they were just like manifested by Rolex as part of this trial to mm-hmm. prove his love for I. So now I'm wondering, like, are they still in the video world, but he's just manifesting 
what seems to be the real world so that Yota and I can live a quote unquote normal life when they mm-hmm. really are not. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that makes that's sense. a question for yeah. the manga. That, that makes sense <laughs> Someone call too. up the creator and find this out. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. really makes me want to go and read the manga. <laughs> The art, the art style in the uh, the manga is really good. It's like super detailed. Mm-hmm. The uh, the fashion's even more detailed than the anime series. Oh, they got fresh drip in there. <laughs> oh, they got all the fresh drip. Nineties <laughs> fashion. I love nineties mm-hmm. fashion. Oh yeah, baggy jeans. A lot of baggy jeans and baggy sweatshirts. <laughs> all right, yeah. Speaking of which, like I just vibe so much with the OP. You love the OP. He's been playing it on repeat the last oh, like, three so days. Oh, it's so good. I've been snapping to it. I snap my fingers to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was about Happy Tears, I think, was the name of the song. Mm. And it just, something about, about it just gives me like that 90s sitcom vibe. Like, it's the <laughs> opening for Full House or Family Matters. Mm-hmm. It's like the just random characters looking at the, looking at the camera and you see them. But... <laughs> I just, I, don't know, I just wanted to take a moment just to say how much I loved the OP. Like it just brought me back to, to that era. Yeah, it was really good. Not to date my, not to date myself, but I used to tape the songs on VHS or whatever I was listening, watching, like or DVD or VHS, and I would just record the the song on on cassette tape and then play play it on my uh, Walkman. Oh my so like, god! Walk, walk to school or like be <laughs> in class, yeah. listening to the fucking cool. Girl Girl Eye. That's cool. like the OG way of pirating. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd have your own, you know, you'd have your own mixtape, essentially. Yeah. 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 I think yeah, my the song is on Spotify, right? Didn't you add it to your playlist? No, yeah, I, I added it. Um, oh, heck oh, yeah. Cool. So, you know, Spotify used to not have very many Japanese artists. And since, since I don't know, like, I feel like in the past, like, three years, they've gotten so many more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even obscure stuff. Like, just yeah. like this, for example. Like, you know, I, I'm sure that's not the first thing you think of when you hear, like, anime songs are on Spotify now. But the fact that they have this song on there is pretty impressive. Well, mm-hmm. the way I found it was I had to, I looked up the title and it was written out in like the like in romaji mm-hmm. then i had to translate it or like pull up the, the actual was it katakana yeah mm-hmm. uh, and then i put that into spotify to search for it and then Whoa. it popped up oh yeah because some so, songs are only in um japanese like yeah. the actual titles are written in <laughs> japanese mm. hmm. well good on you those detective <laughs> skills <laughs> So I guess um you guys, should we wrap are we wrapping it up? Well, I, I, I want to talk about um Yota's trials and tribulations with uh, when when Rolex sends him into the video world and then he oh, okay. talks to uh, uh Takashi and and then talks to Moemi. Um because when he yeah, when he talks to Takashi uh yeah, what Takashi basically lays it out in in a practical sense that like right that like 
oh, I is not a real girl, she's not a real person, so, you know, why don't you pursue somebody that's a real human being? Um, and then Yota still, you know, dedicates his love to, to I, professes his feelings towards I. That's what happens, right? I'm remembering that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then he gets, yeah, then he starts interacting with, with the... Uh, the kind of fake Moemi and fake Moemi plays on, on an emotional angle and says that like, well, um, you know, I'm here, I'm available. I'm ready to date you now. You know, like, don't you like me more, you know, uh, kind of tries to, uh, get him to stop. Yeah. Divert his attention from I back, back onto her. Um, which yeah, is, 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 I don't know, a good strategy is a, a very, real strategy because how you know of course people like having attention people like receiving affection how much uh, you know if somebody professes their feelings towards you i feel like that has a high likelihood of inspiring you know your own feelings towards them uh, but still yota doesn't budge in this you know he's still he, he kind of wavers for a moment then reasserts no you know i i don't want you i i like i um but yeah, I, it's too bad that this is not framed as a moment of, or at least it didn't come across to me as being framed as a moment of Yota's growth and confidence. You know that like he's finally able to be like, no, you know, like I don't deserve to be you know sidelined. You know, I'm I'm not looking to be somebody's number two choice. Um, he, uh, yeah, it's framed as just his undying love towards I, uh, and that's that's not a bad thing. But you know, at the end of the show, do we think that Yota has really like learned anything per se? Is he come? Is he mm. does he come out of this being any more grown than he was to begin with? Well, I think his, those two scenes were meant to subvert his like thoughts on these people because he mm-hmm. has very specific ways of thinking about Takashi and Moemi mm-hmm. and he was seeing them in a different way because they weren't actually them they were Rolex's portrayal of them and mm-hmm. Rolex was tr- kind of like trying to like uh embody them as a person but like mm-hmm. trip him up in his way of thinking so that he would be like, Oh, well this person that I really like care about and know a lot about is telling me to do this and suggesting that I should do that. But you know, what do I personally want? Who, what is, what is the feeling that I have in my heart? And, um, I think he doesn't really realize it with Takashi, but then when Moemi um, starts to do things more like I, like was being a little bit more forceful and like putting her face close to him mm. and like just not being the timid person that he knew, she, he was like, oh, well, this is not this person that I'm talking to, mm. but this is what this person that I am talking to is making me realize. Mm. I feel like with that image with, Moami, it's kind of like this is exactly what Yota wants. Like he wants, um, he wants to establish this relationship with Moami, even though she's advancing on him in, in really strange ways. But like, I think it's his love for I that kind of prompts that. Um, and so I think the, the ultimate scene where um, 
Yota reaches I and she's up on that like crucifix. Um kind of demonstrates like his or Yota's ability to like feel true love for someone, like it really truly expresses feeling for someone. Mm. Yeah, the what I wrestle with there is again with I being a video girl, she's not um he's not a real person. So I wonder if he would be able to transfer those true feelings over to someone in the real mm-hmm. world. Um, but yeah, that was kind of what I was going for there. And like the, the imagery of I and the crucifix um, reminds me back to like my, my Catholic CCD days. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> like, throwback. <laughs> you know, like the imagery of the crucifix, like it represents passion, like passion as in strong emotion. And so it's clear, like I has, her passion for Yota, but in turn, like he has grown to be very passionate for her. Mm. So. Mm. That's cute. Like that. <laughs> <I'm> so cute. <laughs> mm. It's not the arbitrary Evangelion use of the cross. <laughs> well, and I think the, like the glass staircase kind of represents his growth because it's, I, I don't know if I could walk on a glass staircase that is literally cutting me every step. To, <laughs> yeah, I was I, I, like, all right, I'm done. All right, halfway through, I, I tried, but now I'm bloody and I hurt and I tried. Yeah, to be honest, I was, I was thinking about that too as I was watching that and I was like, thank God that I'm never going to be called upon to do this for someone I love because it's going to be a real shame when like the most beloved people in my life watch me give up because I'm fucking getting stabbed everywhere and bleeding profusely. I was just wondering about that yellow beam that came out of Rolex's like face or wherever he launched it from because it seemed like they were in pain but nothing happened it was just a lot of light yeah blasting them yeah that stuck out to me for the same reason that like well Mm. are they actually getting blown up or something like the like they're like screaming but they look physically okay is it (laughs) is it like a mental thing I don't know (laughs) Hmm. <laughs> they were just shocked, Idiots. surprised. Yeah, they're like, what <laughs> is this light? I can't see. Like when you're standing in front of a car and it's got its brights yeah. on, you're like, I can't see. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> maybe we need to watch re uh, rewatched Poltergeist. And maybe there's something with that. Because oh, we get sucked yeah. into a TV too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe there's a link between the two. There's another horror movie mm. called Videodrome where you get sucked into a TV and out of a TV. And the TV that's was right. a fucking mm-hmm. situation in that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. That's right. Any uh, closing thoughts on this show? Okay, so I want to ask Courtney and Carl. What, uh-huh. um, what did you kind of like anticipate going in and how has it changed since you've watched video girl i um i guess for me like when it was being labeled as like an etchy anime i was like oh is this the precursor to the, all the etchy that we see today but like i was pleasantly surprised i i thought it was a very like a heartwarming story um there was no fluff in it uh you just have this this plot or like the the story of four main characters um, relatively straightforward mm-hmm. um and it again it was as courtney mentioned seeing all the the tropes that have tropes in anime or romance that have like lasted for like these 30 years um it, it was kind of interesting to watch uh again ending wise it, it's something that i still kind of wrestling with mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, I'm still Team I and Team Yoda because they're perfect for each other, mm-hmm. even if she is, just, even if she is just a video girl. So, 
Yeah, I, I would say I was pleasantly surprised by this. I, I didn't know what to expect. I, I figured it was going to be just like a maybe like somewhat cringy or just cheesy type of 90s anime, but I, I really enjoyed it. I, I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did. I think a lot of it stems from the great humor that's in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just humor that I think hits even today. And for some reason, it just reminded me of like watching Yu Yu Hakusho and just how great the humor is in, in that show. But it also has some really you know, serious moments that, that it explores really well. I felt the same thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and just watching I, like she's the perfect example of someone who should be put together and very sweet and gentle. And she's the complete opposite of that, but is still a great character who supports Yota as the, the protagonist. Mm-hmm. I would say the only thing that I felt was exhausting about the show was the, the love triangle. Cause you've got Moemi um, who likes Takashi, but Takashi is trying to force her to be with Yota, but then Yota's trying to force Takashi to be with her, even though he wants to be with her. And so at times like that just kind of droned on a little bit, but it wasn't anything, like, it was important to the plot of the story. So I, I was fine kind of, you know, mustering through it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I think wholeheartedly, I, I really did enjoy this. Yay. <laughs> Again, that 90s aesthetic, I just love that. Yeah, it was Especially- great. After watching uh, Marmalade or wrapping up Marmalade Boy, uh, and then just jumping straight into this, is like I, I kind of want to just go back to the '90s now. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have like strictly '90s series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's do it. That. Not that. <laughs> yeah. Invite us on, please. <laughs> For we sure, will, can live in the nostalgia. Yeah. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, my final thoughts. Uh, if a video girl pops out on me, I'm taking a month long sabbatical from my life to just <laughs> do nothing but hang out with her and enjoy our time together. I'll know when I get the text when you're like, video girl here, gotta go by. Yeah. I'll know. Yeah, <laughs> no basically. podcasting, no nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just make sure you have a have a good VCR player. I would probably have the opposite <laughs> reaction where I'd I'd be like I'd go into defense mode, thinking this thing's going to attack me as it's like coming out of my TV. Just start screaming like, "Oh my god!" Because like of the ring. Yeah, the ring exactly. If you if you ever seen um, scary movie, it's like Cindy, your TV's leaking, and just comes out and decks her in the face. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. It was fun to go back and rewatch this this series again. I think uh I think I like it just as much. Hmm. But I yeah, I think it's it's yeah, I don't know if it's nostalgia playing a role in that or not, but you know, it makes me speaking of the love triangle, it makes me want to go back and watch Kimigori on True. Sit through that cuz that's like the huge that's a huge part of the of that mm-hmm. show. It's an 80s show and the love triangle that takes place in that i think maybe influence things that came out afterwards as well and just like it comes it becomes exhausting like you say coordinated like just all right you know you've but but you know you, but at least i guess with this with kimigori they they finished the series and they had a couple ovas and they're like they're adults uh in the ova and they kind of sum up their relationship when they're in high school so I kind of like you're able to see them grow mm-hmm. in that series. Mm-hmm. This is like six episodes. You get a taste of it and then you got to go read the manga, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I might actually do now. I know it's on Viz. I really want to. If either of you do, mm-hmm. please let me know what was up with that picture book contest. I'm just so I curious. <laughs> I will. 
<laughs> Will do. Yeah, I think um, rewatching this now, being of a conscious mind, you know, not just like trying to consume as much anime as possible. I think that it still holds up today. I think it's uh, the comedy hits, but also like the serious themes that it presents still explain themselves pretty well and pretty relevant to uh, what people go through still today. Um, and I really would love a video girl to come out of my VHS player because like, <laughs> oh my goodness. But uh, <laughs> I really love anime like this. Like Chobits is, you know, the girl is a robot and she lives with a, a boy and tries to figure out how to be human. You know, there's another 90s anime called Dear S um, where mm. aliens come down to live on the planet. Um, I just really love that like, like, robot girl trying to be a human kind of like aesthetic <laughs> that this this anime captures so very well <laughs> yeah i want to rewatch chobits now now that you're talking about it i yeah. love chobits love chobits well but handmade may oh uh, is it may or my it's may yeah it's may yeah. did you ever watch key the metal idol amelia I don't think I have. I'm pretty sure I have the VHS, though. Word. I like that one. I also have the Kimigurai Orange Road VHS, and when you put them all together, it's a sexy lady in her little sarong. It's <laughs> <That's> cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Courtney and Carl, for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having thank us. You. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And we got introduced to a, a, a new old anime that we'd never heard of. Yeah, I'm so glad you liked it. <laughs> yeah, it was a good watch. Um, I guess you want to tell the people what, about all of your projects that you have? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, again, we host the two podcasts, Strictly Anime and Strictly JoJo, which are part of the Strictly series of podcasts, Strictly Anime is our podcast for anime reviews and discussions where we talk about anything from seasonal to classic anime. And then Strictly Jojo is our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure where we review every single episode and talk all things Jojo. And right now we're in the throes of our Attack on Titan review series over at Strictly Anime and our Stone Ocean review series over at Strictly Jojo. Um, both of the podcasts are on all streaming services including Spotify, Apple, and Google. Um, we recently started our Discord server. We're on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. Our website is thestrictlyseries.com, and we have a Patreon where listeners can support the show at patreon.com/slash the Strictly Series. Go and check them out. All the links to everything will be in the show notes. And while you're there, check out our um, website, otakuhostclub.com, where you can find past episodes, other guest spots we've done with all of our amazing friends, as well as links to our Discord server, where you can chat with us in between episodes. Shouts out this week to Anime of the Week for joining. And recently, we recently launched our disc our Patreon, patreon.com slash otakuhostclub, where you can support the show like these lovely people, Johnny C and Francis. Um, $1 gets you a special shout out and $5 gets you early access bonus episodes and ad free content as well as special discord chat. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I forgot that Spotify launched this, but, um, uh, you can now rate us on Spotify. So thank you to everyone who mm. has already given us a little five star review. Um, and if you would like to go ahead and, uh, 
take the time out and give us a little a little love. Um, we appreciate every single one of you that listens every week. Mm-hmm. And we will see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm. See you in the next one. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Oh, it's Scotty. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>